You're listening to audio from Northway Church. For more information about Northway and additional resources, please visit northwaychurch.com. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 this morning. Romans 6, 3 through 4. And as you turn there, just want to say again, it's a real gift to be here this morning for our celebration Sunday. We, we love this Sunday. Like it is, it's incredible that we get to celebrate a new life spiritually for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And then as well, just to get to as well celebrate physical life through new little ones joining families, whether that be through birth or through adoption or foster care, it's just a gift to celebrate a day of life. And we just thought, just briefly before we get into our text, it would be remiss if we didn't speak briefly to kind of what happened two days ago with the Supreme Court decision. So I just want to say this, uh, Matthew, this is Matthew 18, 5. Jesus Christ says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And uh, at, at Northway, we believe that all humans bear God's image from womb to tomb. Here's how one of our sister churches that we love has said it, we believe the life of the unborn to be sacred and worthy of our highest protection and the taking of that life to be a grave injustice. And so we, we welcome Friday's decision by the Supreme Court. And that has a couple ramifications. One, just want to speak to the church. And a lot of the church, we, we recognize like there, there is so much work to do locally here in Dallas, Texas. Amen? Am I right? Just me? Okay, I'm just feeling that. Uh, so much work to be done to care for women and families who are in difficult, difficult situations. I just want you to know if you're looking for an opportunity, like, okay, how can we be the hands and feet of uh, Jesus in this? I just want to remind you of some of our local partners, Involve for Life, that has pregnancy centers throughout the DFW area, um, Costa Lago, works among lower income families in the Bachman Lake area, helping with literacy, combating poverty, um, Buckner, who really leans into foster care and adoption, and then even Young Lives, who helps with teen pregnancies. We, we love our partners. And so if you are on social media a lot, we've got each of those highlighted by social media, how you can maybe lean in with next steps. And then we'll have something in the campus update as well. But just wanted you to know that. But th- then when it comes to the city, just one brief thing on the city, we, we recognize that for many of our fellow Dallasites, like th- this ruling like causes great, like great dismay. And we at Northway just want you to know, we want to be a church ready to help and receive every mother in distress and every child in need and welcome them in the name of Jesus the same way that he, he welcomed us. And so um, I want you to know that just on this day of life, just to let you know some of the things we're praying through, feel burdened about, and some of the things that we're hopeful that God's going to do. Okay, so Romans 6, 3 through 4, hope you're there. Uh, Hope you have a seat, and it should be on the screen behind me. We're going to do something a little different, if you would, in honor of God's holy word. If you're able to physically, would you just stand with us? And we're going to read this together. Romans 6, 3 through 4. Okay, here we go. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Just pray for us. Father, would you speak through your holy word? Thank you for the unthinkable reality of how our lives are now joined to Jesus for those of us who our faith is in him. I just pray you'd speak to us in such a way to remind us that you are still resurrecting what is dead and reviving that which is dry. And I pray you'd do that afresh today and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. 
A little bit of my story, uh, grew up in Marietta, Georgia. I, I was baptized at a younger age. Um, Jesus saved me at a younger age, professed faith in him. But if I'm honest, like some of that baptism sermon or, or, or ceremony for me, there was a little bit of maybe, maybe ritual or routine where I just thought, I think this is just what you do. Well, it, it is what you do. You know, Jesus commands that, but I don't think I had a frame for, for why, if I'm honest. And then maybe secondly, it kind of got uh, religious for me. Um, like there was like competitive religion in our day in time where it's like some kids were like, well, have you been baptized yet? Or have you been baptized? And uh, have you done this? I know that's, if you didn't grow up in church, that sounds super weird that we would compete about that. But I, um, there was some of that going on. And then if I'm honest, I think some of the religion, it's almost like we thought that the baptism waters would kind of cleanse us outside in versus Jesus saving us, cleansing us inside out. And the baptism waters just being an opportunity to profess what he was doing. And so there was just some things that were off. And I think part of my burden this morning, and I think some of the burden from Romans 6 is I just want us to see clearly the, the miracle of what God's doing and what, he, what we're being able to profess in baptism. So Jesus instituted two main ordinances, the Lord's Supper, and baptism, and his word to the church was keep doing this, keep practicing these things. And here's why, because they're not spectator sports. I love it. It's an opportunity for us as the body to touch and taste and feel and experience today afresh the good news of Jesus, to be jaw dropped by what he has done and what he's still doing in our brothers, sisters' lives, but in our lives as well. And so maybe I'll say it this way, um, Said I'm originally from Atlanta. My wife's originally from Boston. We met here about 14 years ago. Asked Caitlin on a date. She was like, I don't want to get married. I was like, I'm, I'm just asking you on a date. You know, like what's happening here? And eventually somehow it, it worked out. But one of the things that became really clear about my feisty, Bostonian, redheaded, amazing bride is that she loved the Red Sox. Like she like uh, bled like Red Sox. And so I know, help me out like Rangers and Astros fans, just come with me for a minute this morning, but she loved the Red Sox. And if you know baseball, you know this, that if you are in on the Boston Red Sox, you despise the New York Yankees, right? Are we there this morning? Okay, again, I know it's in Dallas, but I, I should have used a different analogy. But she, um, so Kate, so Kate um, despised the Yankees. I thought it would be fun, like flirtatious to start saying, I'm cheering for the Yankees and start like cheering for them. Like start talking about the players I loved. That went really bad for me. Like Caitlin's, Caitlin's granddad would take stats on every single game. Uh, her brother had season tickets to the Red Sox to which her mom and dad would go as well and Caitlin as much as she can. And then they would just watch the game with some like religiosity. So it became really clear, like if I wanted to be in on a relationship with Caitlin, there were some things that were gonna have to change. And I, I did what maybe you would do. I, I staged a, fe- a fake press conference. And so I got on my like tie and slack-ish wear and I, I got behind this podium at this place in grad school where we lived and I did what I've been told you need to do. Like you need to get the roommates involved. So I invited her roommates. Shocking. No one showed up to my press conference except Caitlin, you know, so she's there in the audience and I just began to do something like this. I began to be really clear. I, I'm like renouncing any affiliations that I have tied to with the New York Yankees. I'm putting those aside. So, you know, that's gone, that's over. And I want you to know, all you in the audience, namely Caitlin right here in front of me, awkward, I, I love the Boston Red Sox. And I'm professing that I'm all in with the Red Sox. Why? 
Well, I tell you that silly analogy this morning that breaks down in a lot of ways. Baptism is not a press conference, but there is an opportunity. I just want you to see baptism like this, maybe with fresh lens, that baptism in a sense is an announcing and a renouncing ceremony. That there are some beauties, like some drop your jaw type of glories that are gonna be announced from the waters today. I just don't want us to miss it. And as they announce it, as believers in Christ, we announce it right with them. And then there's some things that are gonna be renounced along with that. And as they renounce, we get to participate and renounce right along with them. Look what Paul says there in verse three. He says this, do you not know? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And so the first announcement, just want us to like tune our ears for this morning is we're gonna hear announced is people saying, I, I am a sinner and I deserved death and I deserve judgment. All throughout this text, the Apostle Paul is using phrases like death and burial. And one of the reasons is because um, water throughout the scriptures, one metaphor it pictures is death and judgment and condemnation. So think about me for a second. When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, the scriptures say this, that they crossed through the waters of what? Judgment. And recently we've been talking about the flood as a church as we're in our Genesis study. And 1 Peter 3 says this about the flood. It says that the people of God in the ark, they crossed through what? The waters of judgment. And so water has this pictorial um, word for us of judgment and death and condemnation. And so our, our brothers and sisters are standing in the water and they're announcing, I deserved death and condemnation and judgment apart from Christ. And so in a sense, they're renouncing any type of fake strong mentality. And that's huge. They're renouncing any type of, of like, I just want to carry a certain type of image, but other things are going on. It's actually incredibly bold. Like they're gonna get there and tell us part of their stories and tell us some of the ways that their life looked like apart from Jesus Christ. And then we get to renounce right along with them. I had a friend who came to our church a while back named Don. Remember he said something like this. He was like, why, why all the like language about blood and there's a fountain filled with blood? That's weird. And you're like, like death and condemnation. And I think one of the things that Don was getting at is he was speaking to the fact that a lot of us feel like it's more about morality. It's about like clean the outside. It's, it's my problem is not in here, it's out there. And I think Don, Don was just kind of professing that, that he, he felt that and there was this disconnect from what was happening. But, but we feel that too, if we're honest, don't we at times? Like when someone's in the water or in our own life and professing their brokenness apart from Jesus, sometimes we're like, amen, but sometimes we're kind of like, oh, come on, like you're a pretty good guy or person. Like you're okay, it's not that bad. But what I want us to hear, here, here's what's beautiful. We don't do that. Instead, we announce right along with them, apart from the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, like all I would have is the grave. That's our story. Apart from his grace, apart from his mercy, all I would have is the grave too. So brothers and sisters are declaring that they passed out of the waters of judgment. But how did that happen? It wasn't through like a staff at the Red Sea or an ark, like at the flood. It was through being connected and united to Jesus Christ. Look what Paul says next in verse four. He says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. And so this next announcement that our brothers and sisters are making is that in Christ, like I actually died not just announcing I'm a sinner deserving of death, but announcing that Jesus died the death that I deserved. In the early church, they talked about this, that there was two ways to live. There was the way of death and there was the way of life. 
And, and when you realize that you were on the way of death, like the, the way that you got in the way of life was by turning from the way of death, repenting, turning from that way and putting your faith in Jesus to get on the way of life. And that, that's what's happening today. That's what we get to be reminded of. And that's what they're doing. They're announcing in Christ, I died. Another way to say this is that our lives are united to Jesus, that he becomes our representative. And this, this truth, honestly, is like one of the most glorious truths. If it's one of those truths that's like, if it's possible, that's some of the best news I've ever heard. That everything that's true of Jesus now becomes true of us because of, because of our faith in him. And so Jesus's death, our death. Jesus's burial, our burial. Jesus's life, our life. His reputation, our reputation. Like it's, it's unthinkable. And he's, he's a representative. I, th- I think that mo- probably one of the most famous Old Testament stories is David and Goliath, whether you grew up in church or you didn't, you probably know that one. So in there, David is the representative of Israel. David's defeat will mean defeat for all of Israel. They will be... Um, they will walk into the same defeat, but David's victory will mean victory for all of Israel. So it's the same for us in Christ. Like when our lives are united to Christ, all of a sudden, all that's true of Jesus becomes true of us. And so our brothers are announcing in Christ, I actually died. And they're renouncing old masters that weren't really good masters. They're announcing the fact that in, in the baptism waters, it's this picture that I died to sin and I died to the condemnation due me. And I, I died to judgment. I died even to the penalty of death. That I died, that old nature, that old person is dead. But Paul, he doesn't stop there, which is, amazing, he begins to talk about how there is new life. One of my favorite stories, um, just thinking about the tradition we're in as Christians, is St. Augustine. He was one of the early church fathers. And to put it mildly, his life before Christ was like gripped and enslaved and shackled by sexual sin. And he had a bunch of mistresses. And there's this story told of him that one day after he comes to know Jesus, not a perfect life, but a different life, a new nature, a new him. He's walking through the town and one of his former mistresses begins to call it to him and say, Augustine, Augustine. And she's like, man, you know, either I'm not talking loud enough or he can't hear me. So she keeps calling out, Augustine, Augustine. And, and then finally she's like, it's me. It's me. And as church history goes, he turns to her and says, I know, but it, it, it's not me. Like, like Augustine's point there is like, I, I've changed. Like God has done something to my nature and identity. Uh, the, word, the word baptism literally means like immerse or plunge. And some people have said the word best means to immerse or plunge so much so to take on the very substance of a material. So imagine, it would have been awesome, I guess, if I should have done this, but like if I had this bowl uh, of like purple or blue dye and I take a white cloth and I submerge it in there and it takes on the very nature of that substance. That there, there's a, a, a new nature, a new identity of our renaming God and resurrecting God. And then Paul says this, look what he says in verse 4b. Last thing here, last announcement. He says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So not just announcing a deserved death, not just announcing that in Christ I die, but now announcing like in Christ, I actually was raised. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away behold, the new has come. I think, I think we say this a lot on Celebration Sundays, but like th- this water, it's, it's Dallas top tap water at its finest. You know, like it's, it's not um, some mysterious, like salvific water. 
um, our, our brothers and sisters are gonna stand in there and just show what happened when they put their faith in Christ, that under the water, they died. Their sins were buried with Christ. Their old nature was buried out of the, out of the water. They, we resurrect new identity in nature. Everything true of Jesus is now true of them. What's amazing, Matthew 3 records that Jesus' Jesus's baptism, that he got baptized. And, and at that baptism, Jesus identifies with us. He didn't need to. He portrays what he will do for all of us. He'll be held under the water of death so that we don't have to be. He'll come out of the water hearing, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So then Jesus, we hear those same exact words over us as well. Let me talk about what, like, what do, what do we do with this? Hear this, that the baptism waters are reminding us of the miraculous, phenomenal truths today that we can't afford to miss. First, there's the possibility of resurrection, that our God is still resurrecting dead men and women. As has been said, he's not just taking people from bad to good or good to better. He's taking people from death to life. He, he's making people new. But what's amazing is he's not just doing that. He, he, he's not just resurrecting dead things. Our God is still reviving dry things. I just want you to hear that today. Paul uses this beautiful phrase. He doesn't say that you should walk in newness of life. He says that you might walk in newness of life. That when you think of the way Jesus was gloriously and powerfully raised from the dead, the potential for those of us who are in Christ is he can keep making us new. That there was one point when that... Um, cloth got dipped into the substance and came out new nature, new identity, but it can keep getting dipped in, in a sense, to get a darker and darker shade of purple and color and to walk in newness all the more. Hey, let me try to say it like this. So you're going to have to really use your imagination for this one, but imagine that like you live in a city where it gets like crazy scary hot in the summers, okay? So imagine that with me. And imagine that like on your phones, there's like heat index warnings that come in. I know that's crazy, but just imagine that. Imagine parents like yelling at kids to drink more water and come back inside. And that there are days that are over a hundred degrees after a hundred degrees after a hundred degrees, making myself anxious. And so I um, imagine that. And then at your apartment where you live or at your house, um, your, your, your ground becomes super dry. It's parched. It, it looks like it's on its way out. Maybe your flowers get that way too. And what's potential in that dryness is, is you throw some life-giving Dallas tap water onto those flowers and grass and all of a sudden new life happens, that they come back to life. I just want you to know, it's one of the burdens I've been carrying today. That's the potential for us in Christ. It's the potential because when bodies are plunging in water and it's splashing all over the place and we're clapping and applauding, you won't find yourself at a spectator sport today. You will find yourself participating in the very good news of the gospel, which you have professed, that Jesus takes dead people and he brings them to life, that you deserve judgment, but you pass through the waters of judgment because your life is united to Christ. Not because of your performance, but because of his, because of his faithfulness, like Philippians 3 says. And when we rehearse that grace, it begins to revive us from the inside out. Second thing though, not just grace, I think one of the ways we experience that, that reviving is through the gifts of one another. Here's what, here's what I know to be true because of my friends and family and because of a room this size. There, there are people here today that are battling uh, anxiety and depression. There are people that are battling suicidal thoughts. There are people that are walking through the devastating throes of like infertility and miscarriage. There are there, there are those among us who we feel like our marriage is barely hanging on by a thread. There are difficult lab results and scans 
and there's hopelessness and despair and it doesn't feel like Celebration Sunday. And yet there also are people who are stepping into new marriages and those that feel life-giving and things are going well with their children and they're loving their job and they got clean scans and they're feeling the peace of Christ in a strong way. And there's somewhere in between of, of, of both and in that. Here's what I want you to hear. Here's what's so beautiful. When we participate in being reminded of the good news, God revives our hearts in such a way as one of my professors used to say that sorrow shared all of a sudden becomes sorrow decreased and joy shared all of a sudden becomes joy increased and the body is ministering to one another in such a way that we're experiencing that reviving for our souls, not just as we see the grace of God on display, but as we speak the grace of God to one another. And so I know like we're jumping into baptisms. That's what happened here in a second. That's amazing. We'll be on our way. But I just want to encourage you, particularly if you're like a member of this church and know some people, I just would encourage you just to pray that God would put someone in your mind today. Maybe he put someone in your mind that he wants you to speak a word of grace and truth to of the fact that he's the God that's still reviving. And I just pray that you'll hear that today yourself. Some of us in here today, man, are apart from Christ and God wants to bring resurrection to your life. He wants to take you from dead to life, that he's still resurrecting dead things. And many of us here today are in Christ and God wants to resurrect things in us in such a way to revive them, to bring them back to the life and newness that's true for those of us who are in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. And then we have like the unmistakable privilege of just getting really rowdy as we participate in these uh, baptisms this morning. Well, Father, we just thank you. We just say that you, um, you are so good. And God, I just pray um, that by the power of your spirit, you would help us um, to get to participate in these stories that are ongoing, that God, as our brothers and sisters are professing what you have done, that we would profess right along with them. And as they are renouncing old masters that weren't good masters at all, that we would get to renounce right along with them. And I just beg that your grace uh, would bring renewal to our hearts today. And I beg that getting to be together as a body today would bring renewal for one another. Would you do that? And Father, for those of us that are here, um, you begin to prick and say, hey, that's not true of us. Would you, would you just take people from dead to life? Uh, we love you and just pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Northway Church. A podcast should never replace gathering with God's people to worship Jesus. So we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church family. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m., 11.15, and 4 p.m., and would love for you to join us as we encounter the truth, beauty, and goodness of Jesus.